2 Corinthians chapter number 8, if you found it and you're able to, let's stand together. We'll read the first eight verses here. I'll probably add on nine. We'll read that. Ten and eleven, we'll keep reading. 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you this same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes... He became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus did for us? And uh, though he was rich, became poor. Bible said he said it while he was walking here on the earth that he didn't even have a place to lay his head, and uh, never owned a house, never owned a car, never flew around in his private plane. He did just transpose himself from one place to another after the resurrection, but I can't wait till we get to do that. That's going to be fun. Let's open in a word of prayer. Then we're going to get into the scriptures this morning on the subject matter of a worldwide investment in souls. Father, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for the word of God. And Lord, I'm thankful, even as we looked at the scriptures last week, that you do do give us guidelines and principles and patterns throughout the scriptures, even for our financial giving and for the ministry of the local assembly where you have us. And Lord, as we prepare this week to emphasize and challenge our hearts towards the subject matter of the gospel going out around this world, Lord, I pray that you would help us and Lord, take our faith even further than perhaps what it is right now. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. Now teach us something from the scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We did last week, and I I did tell you this week on what we would be preaching about, and uh, I'm thankful for it. I do believe the Bible uh, gives us really the basic instruction for everyday life. We dealt last week with the subject matter of this little five-letter word uh, called tithe, and uh, the pattern that is established and the principle throughout the Scriptures. And so, yes, I do believe that each and every one of us, we ought to be doing as the Lord speaks to our heart, that is a good pattern, for the ministry 
of where God has placed us, and I will say this morning, that is Granite State Baptist Church, and that's how the ministry takes place. I mentioned last week that we would go a step further beyond uh, the tithe and look at this subject matter as we're preparing for this subject matter of missions around the world. And some of the very last words that Christ spoke here on this earth before ascending to heaven uh, included his desire and his command that the gospel, as we looked at this past week, which was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, that the gospel be preached to every person, to every creature. It is God's desire for every person on the face of the earth to be able to hear about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You can write these references down. I'm going to read rather quickly just by way of introduction this morning and be able to share some verses with us. These are some of the last words of the Lord Jesus and uh, in the last 40 days before he ascended to heaven, they met in, and we won't get into all of this, but this is where God allowed me to be able to speak over in Israel, was up on Mount Arbel when he said this in Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. It is also said over in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15, where it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so we see this repeated and we go over to Luke chapter 24, verse number 46, the Bible says this, and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations." beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And then his final words, just before he ascended, is found in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, where the Bible says, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now listen, not only did Christ state this as some of his final words, as his desire and ministry, that every creature around this world, and yes, he called us creatures, I understand, we are, but also once we're saved, we're a new creation, a new creature, and I'm thankful for that. But not only did he state this before going, but can I remind us that the teachings throughout the New Testament confirm his desire for the gospel to be preached to every person and for them to be saved. Some of it quoted it in our new convert, new member class this morning, John chapter 3 and verse 16. We know this verse, for God so loved who? the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But I love these verses as the apostle Paul wrote over in 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 
and down verses 4 through 6, here's what it says about God our Savior. In verse 4 it says, "...who will have all men to be saved." and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now listen, we also read this, and I'm just giving you some scripture here. He said he wanted all men to be saved. He was made a ransom for all. All, But then he said this over in Hebrews chapter number 2, and down around verse number 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man." Now, the Bible says and teaches this throughout the scriptures, and there is not a doubt in my mind that God loves every person and desires for every person to hear the gospel of the message of Christ and be eternally saved. This commission, as we call it, was given to the first century church and has been handed down through the ages. It never has been rescinded and said, but the church in 2023 does not have the responsibility of getting the gospel to every creature. That was never rescinded. We teach the Bible. We see God's desire and his effort to be able to take this. Now, how do we do that? Yes, how do we get the gospel to every creature? You say, Pastor, we've surpassed 8 billion people on planet Earth. Boy, that's a lot of people, isn't it? That's a lot of people. Now, how do we do that? Now, listen, I will say right now, it starts by reaching your neighbor. And it starts by us reaching our community and reaching our state and our region for the cause of Christ. You say, well, what about those that may be in the deepest, darkest jungles or cities around this world? Listen, the gospel must go from conquered New Hampshire to the regions beyond for souls to be saved. First, there must be people to go. And then there must be people who will send them to go. It works together. This is laid out very perfectly. And listen, you say, Pastor, you're talking awfully quick this morning. That's because I got three paragraphs of introduction that I need to get through so that we can get to the message this morning. And I, I, I know that you want to get downstairs for a cup of coffee before 1130, okay? But this is laid out. Listen, there must be people who are willing to go and there must be people who can send them to go preach the gospel. And this is laid out very perfectly in Romans chapter number 10. If you would say, Pastor, what's your favorite subject matter to preach throughout the Bible? Number one, I'd say about Jesus. But then I will say this, we preach missions and the the spreading of the gospel. Listen, that's what we did for 15 years, travel this world, preach the gospel, and, and preach in churches about the responsibility and the privilege. And I, I would rather go preach missions than about anything else that I know of in the Bible. I love preaching about 
missions. It's laid out perfectly in Romans chapter number 10. We have this wonderful verse, and we also have, we have the reverse progression of how this plan takes place. But starting in verse number 13, I love this verse, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then he goes into the reverse process of how this all takes place. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. To reverse it, listen, a preacher, someone has to send a preacher to preach the gospel for them to hear, for them to believe, and for them to call. That's the biblical process that we have. Someone's got to send a preacher. Someone's got to send them. Now, I know for about a 10-day trip, I could say how many would like to go and experience Brazil or go experience Africa or go experience Europe over there. Oh yeah, I'd love to see the architecture. No, not for the architecture. I'm talking to go spend 14 hours a day of just spreading the gospel in the streets and giving the gospel, and souls being saved, and preaching, and teaching, and handing out gospel tracts, we would say, hey, who'd want to do that? Listen, we'd have volunteers all over the place say, yeah, I think I can get some time off for about 10 or 12 days. How many want to sell your house, pack up your family, and move, and spend the rest of your life telling someone about Jesus on a foreign field? Someone's got to be the preacher, but someone has to be the sending. They call after they have heard from the preacher who's been sent to preach the gospel. Now, this brings us to our text today in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 of the financial need that does need to be met to send the preachers to send those that are proclaiming the gospel. Now, we looked at the pattern last week, and we will not go back and rehearse all of this, but may I say that the very basic and beginning starting point of our given is just the tithe to the local assembly for the ministry that God has allowed us to be able to have. But then above that 10%, that's mentioned throughout the scriptures, there are things in this pattern has been set of a thing called a free will offering. As you look throughout the scriptures that, and especially here in the New Testament, and I can give you dozens of examples throughout the Old Testament, as we look at examples of how it took place, the examples always given of above that, here's an offering for the gospel to be able to go forth. And that's what we have here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 
Now, let me explain before I show uh, four simple thoughts in these nine verses that we just read. Let me tell you how things are set up, and they've been set up this way since before the first Sunday of Granite State Baptist Church that it was in existence here in Concord, New Hampshire. We've always had three checking accounts set up. Can I, I'm just getting real plain right now. We have a checking account for our tithes and offerings that take care of the local ministry and outreach of Granite State Baptist Church. Second of all, we have a missions account because it is a free will offering and everything that comes in that says this is for missions, guess where that goes? The missions account and guess what it's used for? the outreach of the gospel around this world. All of these missionaries that are represented on these boards and three more that are out there in the foyer represent in the 10 years God's allowed us to be able to be here of where the gospel is going beyond conquered and going to the regions around this world. You say, what's the third account? That's our building fund. We knew right at the beginning. Hey, we are renting a place. We're going to have to get into our own space. You say, well, did you ever get rid of the building fund? No, we've been building for 10 years is what it seems like. And we're getting ready for the next few years. That's still in existence. So if you have an extra million, go ahead and drop that in the building fund right now. Okay. And, uh, and some are checking their pockets right now. See if they have that there. So we've had that. But when we come back to this point, listen, the Bible is plain about it. it gives us principles about this. And in second Corinthians chapter number eight, you may they say, Pastor, this is all new to us. That's why I'm being very basic according to the scriptures that when we come into Thursday night and you're hearing about missions, you have a foundation. Here's what's taking place in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he is using, starting in verse number one, he says, I want you to know about, he used the old English word here, wit, but to know of the the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. I'm going to use these churches of Macedonia as an example for the church here in Corinth. And what he speaks of is, listen, in summary, there is an offering that is being taken up by the church at Corinth to be able to help the churches that are back in Jerusalem that are under persecution, that Paul, as the missionary, is trying to assist the churches in, listen, from Corinth to Jerusalem on the foreign field and trying to help those churches there. And he said, there is an offering that's being taken up, and I want you to see what the churches of Macedonia which to connect that together, one of those churches is the church at Philippi. We have the letter to the Philippians, okay, that is written to them. Chapter 4 talks about their giving also, by the way, if you read down through there. So he's saying, I want you to know what the churches of Macedonia have done, and I want you to be ready because, listen, we're getting ready to come pick up that missions offering to be able to take it to Jerusalem, and we want you to be ready for it. Okay, don't you don't you love it when the preacher says, hey, we're getting ready to take up an offering. You need to be ready. Now, be ready because I I don't want you to be embarrassed when the offerings being taken. Get ready for the offering. Should have been a whole lot more amens right there at that moment. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Y'all smile. We're okay. 
Get ready for the offering. That's what Paul's saying to the Corinthian church. And I want you to see what God did with the churches of Macedonia, one of the Philippian churches, and use that as a pattern. Now, here's four principles as we look down through here. Listen, the grace that is mentioned here, starting in verse number six, he says at the end of verse number six, so that he would also finish in you the same grace also. At the end of verse number seven, he says, see that ye abound in this grace also. This grace that is being mentioned here is not the grace that the Lord Jesus Christ has bestowed upon us, but literally it is the grace of giving. It is the grace of giving. See that ye abound in this grace also, this giving. Now, here's the principles. Number one, I want you to see that the economic situation did not stop their giving. Now, pastor, why are you saying that first? Because that's the first thing that Paul dealt with in chapter number eight. Oh, no, you're mentioning that because of the economic situation we're in here in America. No, here's what the Bible says. Start in verse number two, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Can I say this? There are four terms in that verse that we probably would never connect and use them. You say, what's the terms? Great trial of affliction abundance of their joy. You say those two things don't go together. Boy, isn't it amazing what God can do in a person's life? The third term, deep poverty, abounded unto riches of liberality. Listen, those things we look at, the economic situation when it comes to the need that is around the world, here is churches of Macedonia, and you can go back and read about the situation at that time, not just the economic situation, but the famines that were in the land and how they were scrounging, skimping, saving for everything. And in the midst of all that, the Bible says, listen, it abounded. Deep poverty. Now listen, when God says you're in deep poverty, that's deep poverty. Do you understand if you woke up today in your house, whether renting or not, in your house and have one meal today, that you are richer and better off than more than 90, 95%. I mean, excuse me, you're in the top 5% of the world's population. Oh, no, I don't, I don't have anything. I'm, a, I'm according to the U.S. Listen, even the U.S. level of poverty is greater than 90% of everything around this world. And the economic situation, you say, why is that? We only have so much money. Listen, when it comes to it, our giving is not based on what our ability is but it is based upon what God is able to do through us for the cause of the gospel around the world. Listen, the message of Christ is the dearest message and closest to the heart of God than any other message around this world. It's the message of his only begotten son that died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. Listen, for that message to go forth, 
Listen, God has provided, I will say, miraculous ways. I could stand here. I'm not going to right now. It'd take all afternoon and tell you about what God has done to be able to provide. Listen, not for us to put food on the table, except he's done that, and he's proven himself faithful for over 25 years now. But I will say for the gospel, the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to be sent forth, and it didn't matter. Listen, the economic situation, God is still faithful. And God still provides. Listen, deep poverty in the churches of Macedonia. I had a church, and I'll give you this example, and I got three more things to get to you. Give you this example. First mission trip I ever took as a senior in Bible college. And I was able to take the two weeks off from college, head over to the Philippines, got onto the island of Palawan, Palawan, some pronounce it that way. And we just watched God work throughout story after story after story. The first one is we showed up, didn't have a contact number for who's supposed to pick us up at the airport. Wasn't confirmed, didn't know who we were meeting, didn't know what he looked like. We fly from the States. Ask the missionary about it, Robbie Morrison. He's preaching here next Sunday morning. He's the one that took me on that trip. We showed up. No one's there. No one's saying, Peter Chamberlain, you're our star. Okay, we're picking you up. No one with a sign. No one saying, Robbie Morrison. We ain't got a clue. He's got a name of a pastor. No contact information, no church name, anything like this. So we stand there, nobody shows up, everybody else is gone. We got our luggage, we're standing in an airport, walk over to the the, the information desk, and he says, Ma'am, he said, I have no idea what could be done. He said, But I, I've just got a name of a pastor. Well, what we didn't know the church. We didn't know a telephone number. She said, what's the name of the pastor? He's supposed to be here to pick us up. We don't know what's going on. Wasn't confirmed. He, she said, what's the name of the pastor? He pulls it out and shows it to her, said, this is the name of the pastor. She said, oh, that's no problem. That's my pastor. I'll call him. And she said, and so she picked up the phone. She called him. He was there in about 10 minutes, just watched what the Lord was doing. You say, pastor, is that how you do? I'm not going anywhere with you if that's how it's approached. No, that's not how we run. I'm just saying. God takes care of things. It was that same pastor. We're preaching about missions. Listen, this is the same message around this world. And that pastor gave testimony. He said, years ago, he said, our church, and there were a mission church, Filipino church over there. He said, our mission church, he said, we started giving to missions. And he said, we've watched God bless. He said, we're sending and supporting missionaries now to the other parts of Asia. And he said, across the, uh, the islands of the Philippines, going on and on. He said, when God started speaking to our hearts, he said, we sat down as a family. Here's what the family did. I'm not saying you do this. He said, here's what we did as a family. He said, we sat down. He said, we knew what our budget was every week to be able to, to feed our family. And he said, we sat down and he said, God had spoken to my heart and said, listen, if, if, if you skip one meal on such and such a day, he said, you can take that and give it to missions. Well, then my, he said, my, my wife stepped up as we were praying and said, you know, honey, you skip a meal that day. I can skip a meal this day and that money can be given to missions. And then every one of their kids stepped up and said, well, if you skip meals those days, then I can skip a meal that day and that can be given to missions. And he said, that's how we started just giving to missions for the gospel to be able to go forth. And he said, boy, has God taken care of our family. 
Listen, it's not a matter of the economic situation. It's based upon the faithfulness of God. But then principle number two that I saw here, as we look down through in verse number four, the Bible says this, this is what Paul said about the churches of Macedonia. He said, pray in us with much entreaty. That word entreaty means urgent prayer, uh, earnest petition, or pressing solicitation. Pray in us that we would receive the gift Churches of Macedonia took up this offering for the, for the ministry to go forth and begged the Apostle Paul. Now, here's the difference today. I've not run into one missionary that we had to beg. Not one. He said, pray in us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Now, listen, number two, not just economic situation did not stop their giving, but giving is to others to fulfill the task. And I believe we've got that example when it comes here with the Apostle Paul, and then we try to carry that out with the missionaries that we support. Listen, we're saying on our behalf, would you take this money... And would you go do the work in this foreign country? Someone has to go, and someone has to send them. You say, well, pastor, you're just saying don't look at everything around and just give money for someone else to go do the job. In summary, yes. But can I say what happened long before that? Listen, their giving was a result of a heart that was given to God. Now, I want you to see this in verse number five. It says, and this they did, not as we hoped. Paul was saying, hey, we were hoping they'd give us an offering, but not as we hoped. What did they do first? He said, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. First part was saying, Lord, my heart's yours. Not just my heart, but everything that I am, everything that I have, Lord, I've, I'm giving you myself first. He said, first, gave their own selves to the Lord, and then number two, unto us, by the will of God. Can I say this? It's not just a matter. There are religions and churches and faiths around this world that there are people that will write bigger checks than possibly will ever be written here at Granite State Baptist Church. But can I go ahead and say this and put it on the record? Much more than having your checkbook is having your heart given to God. Much more. Because I found out this, listen, once I realize it, and Dan gave a, a testimony last week of when he realized it's all God's anyway, as soon as I give myself unto the Lord... Everything else is easier. He said, and this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Don't think that giving is just a religious duty that needs to be checked off. May I remind us that actually our giving, not just starting with the tithe for this ministry here, but the free will offering of saying, listen, I want the gospel to go forth beyond these four walls and beyond this community. I want it to go forth. Listen, that's, that's just a result of saying, God, you've got everything. You've done so much for me. 
And listen, I want the gospel to be able to go forth. It's a, it's a result of a heart and a life that's given to God. But then I want you to see what they had here and what Paul is encouraging this church to be able to do. He said in verse number six, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound... In everything, he's talking to the church now, abound in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in diligence, and in your love to us. Yes, abound in all these things. But he said, listen, abound in, see that ye abound in this grace also. Now, I've, I've wondered for years, and I, I've preached this, listen, it's 25 years now. I've preached that same message. I don't know how many times I've preached out of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I love it preach the same message and looking at this word grace why would god call it abound in this grace also it's not talking about the grace that is bestowed to us for salvation for by grace are ye saved through faith but can i say this it has the same application and meaning in our lives now grace is something that is not required and is not deserved. That's why it's called grace. There's not a one of us, and, and, and we should all agree on this. If you're a child of God and you're saved today, you agree with it. We don't deserve salvation. We're sinners. We don't deserve the grace of God. Grace is something that is given that is not deserved and is not required. God didn't have to save any of us. He chose to, and I'm thankful for that. So this being called grace, specifically in relation to giving, why would it be called grace? Can I say this? Because it's not something that's required, but it is something, as the Bible says, and I want you to see this, it's just something out of appreciation and out of love. Look what he says here in verse number eight. We read this verse. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. Look at this. And to prove the sincerity of your love. It's not to prove our love. First John tells us, hereby we know that we love him because we keep our commandments, keep his commandments. Okay? So there's ways to prove that we love him, but to prove the sincerity of of our love. Do you understand the sincerity of our love? How does how did God prove the sincerity of his love to us? We quoted the verse at the beginning, for God so loved the world, prove it. That he gave. That he gave. And do you understand what the scriptures and what Paul is admonishing the church here at Corinth? He said, "Listen, I'm speaking this not by commandment, this is not something, listen, and I joked about it this week. I'm not standing at the back door saying, okay, in order to come in, you got your 10% with you this week? <laughs> now, besides that, why don't, you, why don't you show us how much you love Jesus? <laughs> Let me prove the sincerity of your love. No, we're not, we're not standing at the back door checking that. But I will say it's in the Bible. Now listen, for the message of the gospel to go forth 
And that's specifically what's being spoken of here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, to be for the gospel to go forth into the regions beyond. Listen, it's not something that's required. It's not a, a pledge card that you sign that pastor's going to come knock on the door and be able to say, hey, I don't see you fulfilled this yet. That's not what it is. But I will say it is this. I wonder how much we appreciate and love the message of Christ that it's gotten to us. And then, Lord, I'm, I'm going to prove my love for you, and I'm going to send the gospel to the regions beyond. You mean we get to be a part of it? I believe probably one of the greatest statements as I was preaching something very similar to this probably 15, 20 years ago now. And the message hasn't changed, by the way. Someone walked up and they said, Do you understand? One of the greatest days of my life is when I just realized that I get to be a part of the gospel going beyond just here. We get to be a part. Now listen, God could just send angels, couldn't he? He could cause, he could cause the, the rocks to cry out. He could do any of that. But that's not the plan he set up. He said, I'm going to call people that will go and preach. But then those of you that are here, we're staying behind. I want you to send them. I want you to help them. Why? For the gospel. Are you doing it because you love them? No, we're just proving the sincerity of our love to Christ. And I'm thankful for that. Now, keep it in mind this. Listen, this is a tangible way to prove our love for God by what we give for his message to go forth. Now, listen, laid out in the Bible, I'd give you example after example after example. I could take the next seven days just myself and preach on this every night, two, three times a day, and just lay out the scriptures. But I'm asking the Lord to be able to help us, not a requirement. But you're going to hear it over the next four days, Thursday through Sunday, of challenging us. What can we do tangibly to send the gospel of Christ? Now, here's where it comes down to. You say, Pastor, second week in a row, you're just giving a, a message on money. Now, here's what I want to come back to. They first gave their own selves. Before a check being dropped in the box or in the offering plate, I wonder, does God have your heart? I wonder if God has your life. I wonder if we can say, I'm surrendered to the Lord. What if God said, you're the one to go? We'll send you. Depending on who it is, we might get there quicker. <laughs> say, hey, we'll pay them to go. Now, what if God said, I want you to go? For us to be able to say, he's got our hearts, we're going to send them. Asking the Lord, listen, if he doesn't have your heart, first of all, you may never have been saved. You never, may never have trusted Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe today's the day to do that. It'd be a shame. And you say, why do you give an invitation all the time? Because it would be a shame for us to send the gospel out around this world and forget about those that might be sitting right here this morning. There may be someone sitting here this morning. You do not have it nailed down and settled that you're a child of God. You may not. Today would be a great day to be able to get it settled. But then there may be things in your life that you're holding back and you're saying, Lord, you can have all of me but this. And the Lord's saying, first give yourself. Then 
everything else will be taken care of.